welcome to the Human Behind the Chair podcast. With me today is Kaylee Diogo. She's a hairstylist. She also does tarot card reading, which is super duper cool. And I'm so excited to get to know her today. Hi, Kaylee. Hi. <laughs> is it your first time on a podcast episode? Like It overall? is. Yeah. I listen to a lot of them, but I've never Ooh. been on one. So that's yes. fun. <laughs> so tell me, how, like, are you, have you been born in Canada are you born somewhere else? Did you grow up in Montreal as well? Yeah, so I was born and raised in the West Island. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So West Island kid. Um, but I moved around a lot. I've lived in like a couple of different cities in Canada and stuff. So Montreal is definitely my home. I feel like, you know, coming back, I feel like, oh, okay, I know where everything is. Everything's fine. But it's fun to jump around too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like uh, you're more comfortable too, right? So oh, you grew sure. up in a very like... English English Island, because that's kind of where I grew up as well. Um, did you go to the English high school and, and elementary as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I mean, I was in French immersion for everything, but I went to Lindsay Place. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, so very, yeah, West Island gang. <laughs> yes. And how was it like for you growing up in the West Island as a kid? I mean, honestly, like, I think, like, most people who grew up in the, like, 90s 2000s in the west island it was like a great place to grow up like not no complaints really no like complaints did you find that you had a lot of diversity coming growing up in your area or no um in my area not particularly no. but a lot of my family like lives in like saint leonard and like saint michelle area oh yes a lot of so, like the immigrants are exactly yes. yeah so we were always like in the cushy like white neighborhood but then <laughs> we would go back to see my like portuguese italian family where oh, everything so you're was portuguese happening. i love yeah. that did, did you grow up um like speaking and listening to portuguese or no listening to it but not speaking it my portuguese grandparents um spoke italian so because that was kind of like the more common language that's what i learned growing up um and obviously when you're a kid if you can pick like one language to learn on top of french and english oh my god instead it's of so two. much <laughs> oh my god ridiculous did you have a hard time like growing up as a kid in a more white neighborhood but you kind of identify with kind of that portuguese and italian background were there a lot of kids who were like you as well that kind of have that dual like nationality or no well, I think a lot of my friends growing up were actually, like, half Italian or Italian, so it wasn't, like, too crazy. Like, I think it was just, like, the time of the 90s when, like, everyone, all the Italians were, like, we're going to get bigger houses. <laughs> oh, I know, um, eh? Yeah, so it's, like, that was pretty common for me, but not a lot of kids were, like, I guess, like, Portuguese seemed, like, very ethnic to a lot of my friends growing up, which to me, like, now I'm, like, I'm very white, there's nothing, like... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. at the time, like, I don't know, I got bullied for like having a mustache and like whatever. I was oh, like, my guys, Lord. like, it's cool. Like, relax. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like, we're all, I feel like every single time I talk to anyone, every single childhood, everyone gets bullied, but we get bullied for such different things. Like, you with your mustache and like everyone is so different, but we all get bullied in a different way. And it's funny how. For a lot of people, it brings them together, their differences, and for a lot of people, it doesn't. Do you find that um, with your differences and being bullied when you were a kid and teenager, did you have friends who were the same or friends who weren't? 
Oh, definitely not the same. I, like, I struggled a lot, like, having friends as a kid. Like, I always had close friends from, like, like, my parents' friends who had kids that were our age kind of thing. Like, we had a lot of, like, cousins, family friends, like, very, like, family vibes. But, like, actual friends that, like, I picked out in school and wanted to hang out with was, like, not really a thing. And, like... I got along with the guys really well, but they wouldn't talk to me at school. They would only talk to me after school. Oh and my like, god. It was those gr- type of friends. Ridiculous. And then the girls at school knew I was friends with like the guys. They were like, she doesn't want to hang out with us. So it was like at school, I was like, cool. I, I'm just like a misfit. I guess I'll just read Harry Potter by myself. Like, Yes, Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how, how did you find that you like growing up like that? Did, a, did you find that it made your um, self-esteem worse? Like how did you create a self-esteem with growing up like that well I think like I grew up in like a very special time because my teenage years were like emo (laughs) yes so it was like I feel like it was just a celebration of like everybody being sad together um so I don't know I was always just kind of doing my own thing as a kid and I didn't really it didn't upset me until I got a bit older and realized that like I didn't have friends like everyone else but then everybody was all sad at the same time anyway so it was so like, like it's okay we're cathartic. all sad together <laughs> yeah like let's all share our sadness it doesn't matter and so yeah. that kind of yeah it came full circle for me I guess because I love it that worked out. <laughs> and um what was your experience in high school like I feel like everyone's high school experience is so different just because some people have really good experiences and have so many friends and other people um, didn't make any friends. So what was your experience like? I mean, I have one close friend from high school that I'm still like, we're still best friends. We talk all the time. Um, I see her regularly. She's basically like my family. Um, But other than her, like, I really just don't hear from many people. I have a couple of like old high school acquaintances that have become clients. But like, other than that, I just, high school was just this weird, like, melting pot I guess where like I personally didn't really see bullying or anything like that happening when I was in school for the most part like it was just this huge group that we all hung out together and then every year some people would graduate and so the group would get a bit smaller and then when we got to like sec five it was just like a few of us left and you would choose like who you kept in touch with kind of thing but it was just this kind of like huge group of emo kids that all hung out together and then we would all go to Fairview and then you'd be see the kids from like St. Thomas, John Rennie, whatever. Like so Fairview just, the hot spot for all oh teenagers. My God. I worked there for so long too. I it's ridiculous. Like so West Island. <laughs> it's funny because when you get older you're like, I freaking hate that place. Like I don't want to go back there ever again. But when you're a teenager, you're like, I wanna go there every day. Hey, do you wanna go to Fairview and hang out? It's like what do there we do? Is nothing more like sobering, grounding, humbling than like having to sit on the two eleven and go back to the West Island and then go to Fairview for something. And like <laughs> nothing strips away the like bullshit you've created in your head. Do you know what I mean? Like you could be like, Oh, I'm I'm a cool hairdresser and I have all these cool clients and you're fucking at Fairview and you're like, Nope, I'm no. the fifteen year old that like it's funny how like certain places or certain things you go through you, and you go back to those places again, it brings you back to being a teenager. It's yeah. so weird. I don't know if there's like a psychological word for that. I feel like it's a phenomenon that a lot of us go through. Absolutely. Um, since you're saying that you, you had a harder time, you know, making friends in high school and you kind of went after high school, did you go to hairdressing or did you go to call like say Shep? Oh my God. I was a mess after high school. I did not know what I was doing with my life. I did like a semester and a half at Dawson in like creative arts, literature and languages, that super vague program. Um, 
And I was just like, what am I doing? Like I had like a singing class, a drawing class, a badminton, like stuff that I was just like, what? I'm not going to do anything with any of this. Like, I don't hate it though. Cause it's still creative. Well, that, but the problem was that like, it didn't put me in any particular direction. I was kind of just, I felt like I was just spread out so thin. Cause I was just like, I'll do a bit of this. I'll do a bit of this, do a bit of this. And nothing was like calling to me. I had actually applied and got into LaSalle for hair when I was like 17. But like at the time, like some of my family members and just like a lot of people in my like life at that time were very much like, oh, like hairdressing is what you do and you can't do anything else. Like, I know it's like the side hustle. It's, it won't make you money. It's. And, like, there's a big stereotype with, like, Italians that, like, you just, like, go to, like, the person you know who does it in her basement in St. Leonard. And, like, so I guess for, like, a lot of people, like, that's what they assumed was, like, the end game. Like... Right. Which, at the same time, is, like, not a bad thing either, but... No. Whatever. Um, I think hilarious. people just judge it a lot. People judge of that course. you work from home and, like, you're a hairdresser and you have a home salon. I don't know I why. I think a lot Even of the time... Even hairdressers like, judge that, too. Yeah, I think a lot of the time it's almost like envy, though. Like, they judge it because they're like, oh, I I wish I could do that. Like, I right. have to commute to work and, like, whatever. And they just don't understand how you could make a living that way. But so that kind of, like, seed was in my head. And I was, like, not ready for it. And I'm actually so glad I waited as long as I did to go to hair school. Because I think if I had gone when I was 17, like, I was a very different person. My motivations were, like, very different. And, like, the industry was very different. That, like, I don't know if I would have been, like, the stylist that I am now. Right. I had started earlier. Um, but yeah, I just like took time off. I worked at Second Cup in Fairview. I just like, <laughs> just like hustled, you know, like saved as much money yourself. as I could. Yeah. And I was just, at the time I was like going to a lot of shows. I was like writing for this blog, like reviewing concerts and stuff. And I was like, maybe I'll do that. Like maybe I'll go That's to That's actually music. so cool. Like, You're reviewing concerts? Hell yeah. It, looking back at like, you can glamorize it as much as you want, but I was like a 17 year old getting into like shows that I with like 30 year old dudes like hanging out with me and I, it was definitely not okay like oh, okay it was a little a little sketchy. there's weirdness there's some weirdness <laughs> but anyway no it was it was still great it was like a cool experience to have but it was just like I had too many doors open in front of me like I just didn't know what to do so I was like oh, I'll just write it out and we'll figure it out um then I moved to Toronto and I went to makeup school first stop and uh that was really cool um my like I wanted to do like special effects for film and stuff and like prosthetic design and so studied that and then that is so um, cool nobody wanted to hire me so <laughs> it's a really hard field I feel like yeah. with hairdressing even though yes it's it's a very hard industry you're almost guaranteed to have a job because you're most of us can be self-employed and kind of can work at a home or travel to houses I don't in the film industry it's ugh. you have to know yeah. someone yeah, th- that's a large part of it. But also, like, I found specifically for, like, special effects, it's a big boys club. And, like, a lot of the studios I was applying for were, like, male-dominated, guys yeah. that had been in the industry for, like, 20 years. You, like, send your resume. They, like, don't answer. You send it, like, five more times. Then you maybe get an answer from the receptionist that's, like, oh, yeah, we could hire you as, like, an intern. You'd be, like, sweeping the floor and getting coffee and, like, whatever. And I'm, like, do you see my portfolio? Like... <laughs> Like, did you even look? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. And so that's when I was kind of like, I finally had gotten offered a job, but I was living in Vaudreuil at the time and it would have taken me like two trains and two buses or something. And I was just oh, like, way too long. it's not worth it. Like, no. absolutely not. And um, yeah, then I worked on a farm. <laughs> 
oh my god you did such random shit i fucking love it you were like girl discovered yourself saying, i love yeah. this you when i'm at saying a farm. like i had to figure it out i was like i'm just gonna try stuff until- I, you went from like makeup to film to farm so how was it like working at a farm did you work it in vaudreuil too well i worked on Quin- at quinn farm in like il Perot. oh my um, god yeah that's so funny what did you do there I started just, like, in the ticket booth um, just because I was, like, I just need some work and it's close to my house and I love going there. So, like, why not get paid to just, like, sit at Quinn Farm? Um, And then, like, a lot of things. Any, like, little project I do, I'm, like, let's do this 150%. So, I was, like, worked my way up from, like, ticket booth to assistant retail manager. (laughs) I love that. And then I took over their social media and I started doing, like, all their media posts and, like, doing, like gopro footage of like the field and stuff and like just the most random job ever but it was really cool and then they took me to bc for a farm tour trip and that's when i was like that's freaking cool actually i'm gonna move here (laughs) oh then you moved to bc yeah (laughs) okay so you were you grew up in montreal you went to Mm -hmm. toronto for a little bit you came back and then you moved to bc what did you did you also do farming in bc as well no, even though I had a job offer for it, um, which was so random. I was like, am I this person now? I'm a farm person. But um, no, my my partner at the time had a job uh, offer in Victoria and I just like wanted to be there anyway. And I was like, you know what? This is perfect. Why not? I'll figure it out. And that's when actually like my hair journey kind of started. I applied for just like this like part time, like evening closing shift at a really small like um, eco-friendly hair salon. And I was literally just, like, doing reception and, like, closing the shop. That was it. And then I worked my way up to manager. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, every single job you've had. You're like, I started here, but I worked my way up. That's, it's cool. It shows you. It shows the type of person you are. You're very, even though you're trying it out, you still put 100%, 10%, and you still are very driven and passionate, even if you're just trying it out. That's, well, that's really freaking thing. cool. And I think, like, when you're trying stuff, like, go for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to know. Like, I wouldn't have known, like, anything about the world of hair if I was just like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just be the closer on, like, three days a week. Like, what what am I going to learn from that? Right. I was bored, too. So I was like, yeah, I'll work more. I'll cover this shift. I'll do the I'll do the inventory. Like, whatever. Like, and that gave me kind of more of an insight into that world. And it was kind of like going back to what I was saying about, like, not starting when I was 17. Like, that was, like, I was already in my mid-20s like I kind of already knew what I wanted from life and the salon was like totally different than anything that I thought existed in the salon world like they were as eco-friendly as possible they were like applying for all these like programs and like awards for like sustainability and like eco-responsibility the point of the services were to make people feel good my boss was always like we might not have the best hairstylist in the world but we have the best service and it was like that kind of totally changed my mindset it was like you don't have to be like the best you don't have to be a photocopy machine you don't have to be like anything you're connecting with people you're making them feel good and there's a kickback for the environment and we did a lot of community stuff we used to like go down to the beach in victoria and clean up like trash and stuff like once a month and our clients would come and help us and like it was just really like yeah it was just I mean very granola Vancouver Island vibes but I don't hate that though there's nothing wrong with that you know I think that's so cute it was so great and I was kind of like when I left that salon I was like damn it like did I 
find this one gem like diamond in the rough and like am I gonna find another place like this and now it's like there's so many places that are going over to that side and like switching their services to be more about the people and less about like you know the Instagram fame or whatever and it's like but I also think that it's just like it's it's the ego too oh yeah it's like the feeding of our of a hairdresser's ego instead of it being about you you make it really about the person you're serving you know Mm -hmm. because you can get caught up in that world of you know the ego and the social media and all these people complimenting your work and all this but at the end of the day you're still it's to make someone feel good and happy and smile and make them feel good about themselves. That's it, yeah. Um, I wanted to go back on what you kind of mm-hmm. said before where in the other industry you worked in was male-dominated and then you went into industry where it's mostly women. Like, h- how was it like? What What's the difference do you see kind of how, where it's more female and more male? Well, what was really interesting actually was that like, yeah, makeup, like for special effects was a boys club, but I kind of always surrounded myself with like women in the industry anyway and then even in farm work like yes of course there were like men working in the field kind of the stereotype you would picture like the farmers yeah. but it was the, but yeah well like Quinn Farms run by a couple and like Steph Quinn is like a powerhouse like she is she runs the show there and it's very much like like a woman-led kind of business and it's it's really refreshing like to see that like the women keep the guys in check and like they organize everything they make it amazing and the guys are out there hustling too but it's not just like oh like we're praising like the farmers like everybody pulled their weight and it really was like a a family um and then the first one I worked in um was a really small team but we had a guy on the team as well and it was just like I don't know that that kind of balance of both has always like made good sense to me and it's kind of nice to just see everybody just like melt together and work but I do find like I tend to gravitate towards like businesses that are run by women and like that have that kind of representation to like support women. I think it's also to help you give you a mentor too, right? Like during oh, yeah. all these um, different career changes, did you always have a mentor as well? Like in the farm, in social effects and coming into the salon? Kind of, yeah. I always connected well with like, um, I guess like positions of authority, if that's like a good umbrella term for it. But like in school, like I was always friends with my teachers. I was always like really, I would connect with some of them and I would be really close with them especially like my female teachers and I'm still friends with some of them one of them is my client now like that's so funny yeah and it's just like I feel like I've 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 always just like seen people as people I guess and like I can connect with anyone but I've always looked up to kind of that like um I guess figure of like responsibility more than authority like people who know things that can teach that that's always been like such a like wealth of you know it's so valuable to me did you find that you were finding um, mentors and, and authorities and other people? Was it because you had a lot, didn't have as much authority and mentorship at home? Or was it like, like what was the reason that you had always, because for most people I find, for most kids growing up or teenagers, they're not necessarily close with their teachers because they really put that line of that's the authority. You know, most people kind of stray away from authority and they're kind of a little bit scared and you're kind of like, or you, you love it more than anything, you connect with them more. What was the reason that you find that you were like that? I guess, yeah, part of it was, like, my home life was a bit, like, rocky, and, like, my, I guess my figures of, like, how to be were more, like, how not to be a lot right. of the time. Um, 
but I kind of was just like left to my own devices a lot and I am very much like someone that will just do, figure it out myself and self-teach but never like I've never been like the no don't help me kind of person like I'm very I mean I'm a cancer I'm very quick to help everyone else but I'm also like very quick to ask for help too and so I guess like what the minute I can see value in someone I'm like I want to know what like what do you know tell me everything that you know like I want to know everything (laughs) so you're more of a person who like you go in the situation you take all the information that you can type of thing right yeah and um going back to kind of moving to Vancouver or BC Mm -hmm. yes and you worked at a salon for how did you how long did you work there for I worked there for two years. Oh, damn, that's quite um, a while. Were you just um, more of the assistant? You moved to assistant manager. Did you ever work on the floor? Um, I never worked on the floor there. I did makeup services a bit. So that was like I took some clients. But for the most part, like my boss went on maternity leave and then I just had a salon I needed to run. <laughs> oh, my God. So that was like um, a very stressful year. Um, but it was... Kill me. It's so yeah, much work like, to run a business. It's so much work. It's crazy. I was like running team meetings, doing orders, like all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> but it was like a great learning experience. Like if I think about it, like was that the most anxious year of my life? Probably. But I learned so much and like it really kind of set the, the standard, I guess, for like what type of salon I would want to work in next or like own eventually if that's like what I decide to do. But like that it kind of dictated like okay this is what I'm going to look for right. if I move like I don't want to settle for anything less kind of thing I kind of um, I kind of love that though because instead of going to an interview with the salon you're not like timid you're like I know what I want already what are you offering me instead of the other way around I think that's like the exactly. best way to go into an interview at a salon mm-hmm. and like honestly like it's like I guess any relationship right if you don't know what you want you're not going to get it like yeah and I feel like with that, that's how you're able to go into a toxic environment or relationship because you don't know mm-hmm. what you want in any relationship or work environment. What was it that you were looking for when you were kind of looking at um, a salon that you want to work as as a hairstylist? What were you looking for? Well, to me, like sustainability and like eco responsibility is like a huge um, factor. Um, our industry is just so wasteful. It's <laughs> like, so wa- it's. It's and actually so if, ridiculous how wasteful yeah. it is. It's and, like, bad. if you can, like, you know, do something to help at any step. Like, Green Circle Salons is such an easy way to do it. Like, because they're such a well-known company and they're so, like, all over the place. Like, it's hard to avoid them. But, like, they'll recycle hair. They'll recycle foils. They'll recycle everything. And it's, like, at least you know that that's not just going in a landfill. It's getting, like, used for something and it's useful positive exactly it's useful um so that was a big thing for me like I don't think I would ever work in a non-green circle salon salon like ever um and the second thing for me was always like um the way the team connects like I need to be on a team I can't just be like an employee and like other people are just there like it's I've, I've worked in environments where people don't get along and it's catty and it's whatever. And that's so 2000s to me. I'm like, we don't. <laughs> we don't need that energy no more. <laughs> no, leave it. Like, we're done. We don't need that. Like, just be nice. It costs no money to be a nice person. It really <laughs> like, doesn't. 
And I think it, a lot of it stems from just jealousy and a lot of it is yeah. just projection of people who didn't heal themselves yet. And they're just mm-hmm. projecting their, their own shit onto you. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many hairstylists do like become hairstylists because they're young, they don't know what to do and they want to make, they want to seem cool. Like they want right. to be like, look, I have a cool job. And they're like 17 and they're like, look how cool I am. And then, then you get jaded because you're like, I'm not cool anymore. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it brings out a lot of the, your insecurities too, I guess, eh? Mm-hmm. And what but, did you do after BC? Um, well, I, so I lived in Victoria for two years, and then I moved to Vancouver for hair school. Um, and I jumped around to a, a couple of different salons, because I don't know if you've been to Vancouver, but everywhere you look, there's a hair salon. There's oh, there's a so lot many. Yeah. So many hair salons. And um, My mom actually I, had one in Vancouver. <laughs> Really? Oh yeah, my god. I grew up there, so my mom had a small salon as well. There's salons everywhere. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. And like you'd think that they would be like slowing down because they're so oversaturated, but like no. con- There's I'm so constantly many people. like Yeah, like people I went to school with or like people that I worked with that I still follow, like they'll see like, oh they opened a studio. Oh, this person opened a salon. Oh, this person I'm like, okay. Everyone and their mom has a hair salon there. But yes. yeah, I jumped I jumped around a bit in Vancouver until I found a salon that I was like, this will do um, while I was in school anyway. Um, so I was doing like night school and then working during the day and I had one day off a week. Oh, my God. And it was madness. <laughs> Just, oh, my God. Like living and breathing hair. <laughs> I don't hate <laughs> like, it, but at the same time, it's a lot. Like I feel like you can burn out really quick like that. Like, how did you handle that amount of stress and work, though? Well, I feel like I'm the type of person that if I I know that there's, like, a tangible end in sight, like, this is the last day that this will be happening, I can push through and do it. Right. Um, And because dying on the way a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's exhausting, but at least my brain's not like, we're doing this forever, I guess. Like, (laughs) it was like, I knew it was an eight-month program. I knew, like... I was at least I was working I was paying for my stuff like uh, and I knew that at the end I had a job in a salon already anyway so it was kind of like just get through it just power through it you like, got this you know? know yeah and at that point like I was 20 25 26 so I was like I'm, I'm used to hustling like right. this is what I want I want to be on the floor working so I want to do it as fast as possible like I just kind of like it was just like, yeah, head down, do Let's it. Just freaking do it. Yeah. Were you, um, when you're going to school, were you an assistant and like reception at the salon? Like, what were you doing at the salon? Meantime, you're in school. Yeah. So I worked at a salon called Heartbreaker in East Van, and um, I was working reception, and I was just doing reception at first, and then like a month before I finished my program, um, I started on the floor as a junior. Um, That's amazing. Just- you got on the floor really fast. Damn, girl. Good for you. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, I had been in and around it so long, too, that I was just kind of like, let me do it. And we were taking clients at school, so it's not like my boss was like, what are you doing? Like, No, for sure. I, my work was okay. Like, obviously, when I look back, I'm critical. But at the time, I was like, I'm so good at this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I find it so funny. I feel like everyone who goes into hairdressing school, when they come out, they have this ego, and then life just, like, beats yeah. you down. Then you realize, oh, shit, I am not. I am not the shit, and I suck. So funny. I did one color that turned out, like, amazing, and it got, like, quite a lot of, like, 
likes and like shares and stuff and i remember thinking like i'm like this is a sham like they're gonna figure me out because it was like a mistake that i fixed and it ended up looking really good but i was like i don't know how to recreate that on purpose right (laughs) it's funny eh? like you're like oh my god the hair gods were on our side today thank god truly truly but that was just like so funny anyway the imposter syndrome has since quieted down quieted down yeah and um since you're you're pretty young 25 i feel like that's very very young to start uh uh, this career and to build a clientele um how was it like for you to build a clientele at that age at least you knew that Um, who you were you weren't half you weren't like at the age of 17 like who am i trying to build a a career how was it at 25 i think like that sort of like life experience helped me a lot because I was able to be like okay I know who I am I know what type of client I want and I am not just living life to be a people pleaser I think like when I was like 16 17 18 I was just like being whoever people I thought were cool wanted me to be 100% if you translate that to a service in the salon you are going to be stressed as all hell Mm -hmm. (laughs) like no one's going to be happy so it's like I, I feel like I had worked all those years on myself and working on my boundaries and that sort of stuff. And I, then I was able to bring that to my work and like, you know, be firm with clients. You know, if someone shows up an hour late, I'm like, sorry, this is the time we have. Or like, no, no they changed their true. mind. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think it's great. I mean, um, are you someone who always had really good at um, creating boundaries since you were young? Or did it take you a long time for you to learn that? Because I feel like for me, honestly... I'm 25 now and I'm still learning how to have boundaries, even with, not even with just clients, even with my friends and family, I'm having a hard time. How was it for you? Um, yeah, definitely. Setting boundaries has been hard. I, I definitely grew up being a bit of like a people pleaser. Yeah. Um, and like, I had like, we'll say like unpredictable parents. So like, I think when you grow up in an environment where you like, you don't always know what response you're going to get, you're going to like make sure it's always positive in like every right. other interaction, right? Because you want to avoid the negative reaction. But like, I, I guess I just had a couple of bad experiences with clients at the beginning that I was just kind of like, what am I doing? Like, why am I saying yes to everything when I can't do it? Then nobody's right. happy. Like, and that, I guess, exercising that muscle with clients and like learning how to say no or how, like, you know, like saying no is scary, especially when it's a paying client, right? It's like, so scary. It is. But like finding power in that and then realizing the exchange after is so much more human because they're not just like afraid that you're just saying yes and like they're not right. sure. And like they know like, oh, okay, like she knows what she's able to do and what she's not able to do. Like and that I guess, yeah, working that muscle with clients has helped me in like the rest of my life too. I feel like I'm able to set boundaries with everybody now in ways that like I couldn't have dreamed <laughs> like 10 years ago <laughs> and from from there you worked at that salon and you worked in Vancouver for a little bit as a mm-hmm. stylist um yeah. and then you came to Montreal after like what made you move back to Montreal so a couple of different things um one my partner and I were living in a like a basement suite and it's so um, expensive there <laughs> yeah and so the landlords were like hey by the way we're gonna be tearing this house down to build a condo for our kids so you're gonna have to find another place as of like march 2020 and we were like okay um oh so yeah so we just decided to leave like uh the fall of like 2019 um and we were like we'll pick a different place like no- nothing oh my was God, did you just recently move back to montreal 
2019 yeah so oh my like, god i did not know yeah. that yeah <laughs> um so we yeah we were just kind of like where, where do we want to go because we started looking for apartments in vancouver and it was just so expensive we have a dog like we were showing up to viewings and there'd be like 30 people there and i'm like how do i even get noticed you know what i mean you can't. I to scream and yell in the landlord's face like look i have a pug she's like, really please. small please let me live here yeah <laughs> No, and so it got to the point where we started looking at places like in like Coquitlam, which is like it's so far, so far. It's so far. unless you have a car. Even with the car, I'm sorry, with the traffic. Yeah, kill me. it's not worth it. No. It's not worth it. And I was like, at that point, we're looking at places outside of Vancouver, but we're still picking a place just to say we live in Vancouver. Do you right. know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That was the. That was it at the end of the day. We were like, nothing was holding us there. We didn't like have friends and family. My partner's from the UK, so we were really like super far from his family. So we were just kind of like, where could we go? I was like, well, we could go back to Montreal. It would be like half the flight to visit your family. <laughs> like literally oh, half the that's distance. that's so true. And it's not so as true. expensive too, right? Exactly. So we were like, screw it. Let's do it. Packed up the car. Got the dog. Drove across. And uh, yeah, stayed with one of my friends. It was only supposed to be temporarily. And then COVID happened. So we, we stayed with him for a year. <laughs> <laughs> do you have your own place now, you guys? Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. And then you moved back to Montreal. <laughs> and how did you yep. find the place that you're working at now, Unlisted? Yeah. It's time for lunch. Oh, sorry. My Google's telling me to eat lunch and drink water. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I love that you have a Google reminder. Like, you should probably eat at this time. <laughs> oh, my God. A look into my scatterbrain, like, crazy life. Okay. <laughs> I have to. Anyway, I'm so bad. I forget to eat and drink water and stuff. Um. Yeah, I actually, I started working somewhere else when I first got here. Like, someone had messaged me on Instagram and was like, oh, come work in our salon. And, like, I worked there for, like, a month when I first got to Montreal. And it just, like, wasn't the right fit. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of my own anxiety and stuff. And, like, the space was just kind of, like, a bit shaky, too. So it was just kind of, like, disorganized, a big ball of stress. And <laughs> like, it highlighted your anxiety um, more because it wasn't as organized, right? Oh, my God. And because like, part of it, too, was that, like, it was a new, a newer salon. So they didn't really have a clientele there yet. Right. So they were attracting kind of, like, they were, like, advertising, like, a deal. And then they would attract people that just wanted a deal. So I was getting people that were, like, wanting the most for the, the least amount of money. Yeah. And I was, like, still, like, fresh. Kind of, like, you know. Uh, so that was, like... A bit tricky. I ended up just like taking some time off and uh, regrouping and realizing like, okay, like, why am I why am I here? What am I looking for? Um, and I actually um, I went to Dawson with uh, Kelsey that works at Enlisted. We were Stop. in the same program together. That's yeah, so funny. So, so we've known each other for a while. So then finally, I was like, you know what? Like, screw it. Because I, I I hadn't messaged her because I was like, I know they're a small team. They're probably not hiring. Like, right. you know, like, it's just been, like, the two of them for so long. And then they have a, a couple of other people. Like, they probably don't have the space. Like, making excuses. But I was like, what do I have to lose by just being like, hey, are you guys hiring? Like, nothing. It's our own anxiety that, that, honestly, yeah. it's just in our heads a lot of times. We just, like... I think we're so scared of what the outcome is going to be. And we talk ourselves out of it for no reason. Literally. Like, and the other part of it too is I was like, oh, does Kelsey even like still like me? Like I haven't spoken to her in years, like whatever. But it's just, anyway, I literally just messaged her and I was like, hey, are you guys hiring? And she literally responded like, 
I'm actually offended you didn't message me first. <laughs> I love that. You're like, you bitch. You should have messaged me first. Like, he's like, and okay, we're still the same friends. Yes. Like, it's all the same. It picked so, up from before. Pretty much, yeah. And so it was really cool. And I ended up messaging Apple after and we had a little interview and we just clicked like right away. Like she had wanted to like go into like a more kind of like eco-friendly direction and she had all these ideas and here I was saying like well these are these are my priorities like just kind of like really connected on a lot of like kind of core values and she was like okay we'll find a place for you and so I started assisting Kelsey which was like such a blast like she's so good yeah and it was just like fun like to work together and hang out and like obviously learn from her too but like just also to be pals like it was just like a really good kind of environment to get that kind of learning and stuff and see things, I guess, be done in a different way. And, uh, yeah, just really cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And um, how long have you been doing hair at this point now? At this point, it's been, like, I finished, ooh, I finished hair school in 2019, March 2019. It's, like, almost two years. Oh, my God. Your work is freaking amazing. Thank you. Holy shit. Thanks. It's a very, it's amazing. Oh my God. That's, I, I think that's what makes me so excited is that the, the newer styles that come out now, and I think it's because of social media, but there's so much free education out there. Like they are so talented. They, they bring a lot to the table. And I like that a lot of them are bringing in like more old school again. So it's not just everyone having that new school kind of techniques. It's the old school style too. The like mullets and, and, you know, all these fun haircuts that are coming back in, you know? Um, now that you're at the salon here, you've been here and obviously we've been closed now, but, uh, what, um, the difference between this salon here and the salon you worked at in Vancouver, did you find that, uh, there was a huge difference in like just mentality and all this stuff? For sure. I mean, the salon I worked at was kind of like, I don't want to say like a punk salon, but like they had this kind of like attitude like a lot of the stylists were kind of just like I just, I just don't care like right. they were very like cool and like the clientele was kind of kind of basic like it was an area with like a lot of families so it was like a lot of moms just like coming in for a trim or like uh, I actually had a lot of like kids clients that were like Netflix actors it was very strange um Stop so that it. was like no pressure, but then also, like, it's, like, a 10-year-old being, like, anyway, so I have this audition for blah, 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 blah. You're, like, You're like, what? Excuse like, me? What? what? Who are you? <laughs> Literally, that or, like, the complete other side, which is, like, to me, classic Vancouver, but, like, this, like, 8-year-old who wanted a full bleach out, like, on, like, the top of his head. And the mom was, like, yeah, sure. And I was, like, it's going to be expensive. He had, like, level one hair. Yeah. He was there all day. This this kid, like, just sitting all day. He's so probably was, used like, to it, too. Right? Like, I was just like, okay, like, they were, anyway, it was just so funny. Like, it was a very different world, but um, it wasn't really, like, a team. Like, I felt like I was the only one who, like, wanted to learn stuff and, like, be better and grow and actually, like, you know, like, there's so many stylists that I worked with in my time there that were just kind of stagnant. Like, they, their clientele wasn't growing. They didn't have a thing they liked to do. They weren't kind of passionate. They were just doing it because that's what they knew how to do, I guess. Right. And it, it was kind of like... I just wanted to shake them all sometimes and be like, <laughs> look what this could be. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you're in the environment really makes such a difference. Like if you're around people who are passionate, it makes you more passionate. But you're, if you're around people who you're the only passionate one, you're just like, you feel like such an alien. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it was kind of like, 
am I the only one who cares? Like, <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, but, yeah, no, it's so nice to be, like, on a team where, like, yeah, we're all just driven, but we all care equally. We help each other out. Like, we all kind of have our own thing, too. So, it's, like, it's not ever competition. Like, I obviously will, like, teach the things I know to them, and they'll teach the things they know to me. But, like, nobody's, like, fighting for the same clients, really. Like, yeah. Do you find you know? that you're a, a naturally competitive person or you're more, like, chill, like, you don't, you don't really care about competition too much? No, I'm not really competitive. If anything, like, I like that kind of uh, drive, I guess. Like, if someone's better than me, like, I'm, like, like we were saying earlier, I'm, like, I want to learn. Like, tell me what you know. Right. Like, I'm not, like, I want to be – I'm not saying I want to be better than you. I just want to know those things that you know. It's, like, exciting to work with people that you, – like, because you never know everything. Do you no, know what I mean? You Every time don't. you meet a new person, you're, like, whoa, how did – what are you – how are you doing that? Like, <laughs> so it's great. I love it. So moving here with your partner, how long have you and your partner been together for? We've been together almost two years now. Yes. And how did you guys, did you guys meet in BC, like in Vancouver as well? Yes, we met on Tinder actually. (laughs) Which like, I laugh about so much because I didn't expect. I had downloaded Tinder when I moved to Vancouver because I was just like, I just want to meet people. Like I'm not looking, obviously I had no free time really. Like I was so busy with work and school that I was just kind of like, like, I don't know the city, so if I can just, like, meet up, we can go for a drink somewhere new. Then I can actually, like, see what's going on a little bit. And it's, like, kind of no commitment. Like, I don't have to, like, you know, make – it's not like a friend where you feel bad and you're like, oh, we have to make plans again. Right. Like, <laughs> when you don't have the time. But, um, yeah, so I was just hanging out with people. And then we met and I was like, oh, my God. Okay, he's really cool. And then <laughs> – that's so for like the whole week after we met we were both just like hey if you want to hang out again but like no pressure like only if you're down it's like no big deal like just if you want to i'm just like free and then like he would be like yeah yeah totally that's cool but like no pressure like if something comes up like it's totally i love how in the beginning in every relationship it's always like yeah let's hang out but no pressure though no pressure like we're so scared of like showing that we're needy in any way I know but we ended up hanging out every single day like the week we met and i was like that's so adorable like it's very cool. And then I had actually booked a trip back here for three weeks. Um, and it was like a month after we started dating. So I was like, well, if like I can, if we can like keep in touch and he's still interested after me being gone for like almost a month, then like that's that, when you know it's pretty cool. Yes. But we s- still talked like every day. He like called me. He like met my cousins on like FaceTime and that like so whatever. And, yeah, it was really cool. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny how um like, well, no, with nowadays, like dating, everything. Obviously, during COVID, it's, it's like a different, different even story. But in the oh beginning God, of your yeah. relationship, it's like we're so scared of kind of showing our vulnerable self, and we're so like keeping up this like front a little bit. Did you find that it was easy for you guys to open up and be vulnerable together, or did you find that it took uh, like a minute to do that? I think like I had so I had come out of a a long term relationship that like I was pretty sure I was gonna like marry that dude, like, and it was just kind of like. It was just not working. So after we were together for almost like five and a half years, um, I just really knew what I wanted and what I didn't want after that. Right. Like, so I was kind of just meeting people casually. But then when I when I met Josh, it was like, okay, like I'm interested in him, in him and he's clearly interested in me. And it was kind of just like, well, put all the cards on the table and like take it or leave it because I'm not like – 
I'm not sticking around to convince you to like me or like right. whatever. Like I have plenty of other stuff to do in my life. Like, Feel like I don't I'm busy enough. Have the free Thank time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like so, kind of like just on our first date, we talked about so many different things, and I was just kind of like, "Look, like I need the bars here. I need someone to meet it or exceed it. I need to be wowed every day. Like I don't have the patience to just like." I love that you're just like, "This is what it is," and if you don't like it, bye. I love that. Pretty you much, bought, you and put it on the he freaking was, table, he, and he was just like, "Okay." And that set the bar because it was like the if anyone drops the bar, then we can talk about it. But it's like we've we've had like clear communication like since day one. And that's kind of been like a big game changer. And like it's the foundation of everything. Right. Like if you can't communicate, you have nothing like 100 percent. And um, we're not mind readers, you know, <laughs> and I don't even tell that he's from the UK. Right. Did you find that dating? Was there even though um, I mean, Canada's not that big of a difference from the uk but did you find there was a little bit of a culture difference or not really yeah oh absolutely yeah like the thing is like we think we're pretty similar to them but we're really not like yeah and there's there's so many like even just like phrases and expressions that even still after two years like he'll say something and i'm like what are you talking about (laughs) i'm like he'll have to explain it to me and i'm like that's not a thing like (laughs) you're like you're not you're not no no yeah (laughs) And then, like, even just basic stuff, like, when we were looking for a place together, like, it, they do that totally differently over there. The way you do rent and stuff is different. How is it, like, like, in the UK compared to here? There's, like, I think certain places, like, you pay per, like, two weeks or something oh. instead of a month. And then some places, like, I don't know. There's, like, all different, like, things. And I remember, like, just being very confused and obviously not absorbing any of the information. Right. <laughs> I was, like, I'll think about it if we ever move there. I'll dedicate that brain space to knowing that um (laughs) but like yeah just like I guess stuff like that and like um even like we're going through his PR process right now and like that's been a whole thing getting the right paperwork it is so much work to do that yeah oh my god and just like basic stuff like the obviously the documentation in Quebec is like for Canadian forms or like whatever and then it'll be like on your birth certificate like where was it validated or whatever but, like, on his birth certificate, it's, like, some long-ass, like, <laughs> Stoke-on-Trent, blah-blah-something church of whatever. And you're, like, that's not going to fit on the form. Like, <laughs> how are you going to fit it on the form? Yeah. So, it's just, like, funny stuff like that that comes up every once in a while that I'm, like, it is really different. And I guess now, like, um, I'm, like... I, I see their news and stuff so much more often because he checks it because his family's there and stuff. And so I guess I'm just more aware of what's happening over there. But, like, it's very different. It's pretty eye-opening. It's it's interesting. It's just you would never know, I guess, until you're – You're dating until someone. You need to yeah. <laughs> and when you, were, when you first started dating him and you kind of were out of that, like, fresh relationship, what was something that – where were things that you were looking for and what were things that you did not that, – that was a red flag and that was, like, a no-no for you? Oh, well, like, I've always been, I guess, the type of person that knows that, like, I want to have a family someday, I want to do certain things, and, like, that I prioritize, like, my career, because that's, like, important to me, and so, like, I needed someone that wasn't going to be, like, I guess, competitive, like, with my ex, sometimes it was, like, like, oh, like, your job's more important than mine, or whatever, and it's kind of just, like, that kind of stuff, like, I don't have patience for it, I don't have time for it, and I just kind of, like, I guess I was just like, these are kind of my values, but at the same time, I was just like, everything needs to be equal. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to clean up after you. I'm not your mom. I'm not your maid. I'm not, like, any of these things. Like, we just need to find a balance and stuff. And, like, 
again, it was just like communicating. It was just kind of like, I need to be able to have conversations about like actual life. Yes. <laughs> like, um, we can't just have this like gray area of like stuff we don't talk about and like that kind of stuff. And like, I guess, um, like I'm, I'm pretty quick to like, yeah, like I want to get to know your friends and your family. Like, yeah, I, I just like knowing people and connecting with them and stuff and like that kind of stuff. I guess, like, if anyone's ever, like, oh, no, like, you don't need to meet them. I'm, like, that's a red flag. Like, get away from me. Like, Like, oh, no, like, you don't need to meet these type of, like, these group of friends. You can meet these group of friends. I find that weird when people say that. Yeah. But I I guess I'm just, like, just be a human being and, like, don't be weird. Yeah. It's, like, basically what it was. I was just, like, I don't have time to, like, decode a text message or, like, figure out, like, no. So when you first started dating him, what what was something that – kind of brought you towards him more that made him that made him shine to you a bit more he was just like so not afraid to be himself and that like actually at first kind of embarrassed me a little bit like we would go out in public and he would just like make jokes and like be really loud and I was like oh my god shut up people are looking (laughs) (laughs) you're like no 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 at the same time I was like that's actually really funny or like that's really refreshing that you're doing this or whatever and then I would go home and I'd be like why did I feel weird about that and it was like I'm terrified of people looking at me, apparently, was a thing I, a fear I unlocked. (laughs) But it was just, like, he just wasn't afraid to just, like, be himself. And, like, he was very, I guess, like, sure about, like, even just, like, his hobbies and stuff. Like, he's really into, like, Magic the Gathering and playing World of Warcraft. And he's just, like, he's, like, I don't care. He's, like, it. It, it might be a nerdy hobby, but it doesn't make me a nerd. Like, I can like whatever I like kind of thing. But also, there's nothing wrong with being a nerd. Being a nerd is no. fun. You just means that you, you know, you, like, fan over things and you really love them. I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like I think some people, when they accept that label, they're like, well, this is my whole personality now. So, I, I yes. only like this. This is my brand. You know what I mean? I can't rebrand. <laughs> yeah. And, like... He just doesn't have a brand, and that's what I love about it. It's just, like, you never – you almost never know what you're going to get, but it's always going to be Josh. Like – I love that. It's very, like, yeah. Um, we're, we're, Is this your own second, like, long-term relationship? Have you had other long-term relationships before, like, him and your ex? Um, Like, before my ex, I guess, it was just not really anything, like, that I was like, oh, this will last, you know, the – the test of time or anything but I've always definitely been like someone to like date a little more like oh well like let's date and see what happens then like oh let's just hang out and not date like just because like I guess like everything else I'm like I'm gonna do it 150 percent so I'm like if I I won't I can't know what it'll be if I don't try yeah if you don't try and do you find that you're do you consider yourself like a serial monogamist (laughs) not really no. no I've definitely had periods of my life where I was like going from, like, boyfriend to boyfriend, but then I've had times in my life where I was just, like, casually dating for, like, a couple of years, and, like, just kind of depended, I guess, also, like, where I was living, because, like, every time I moved to a new city, I was more likely to be kind of, like, dating and just getting to know people as I was, like, exploring the city and getting to know the city, so, like, my year in Toronto was, like, very much just being a hoe a little bit you know (laughs) we need that phase why not that's it even if it's not a phase and it's who you are why not you know i feel like people are so judgmental on that especially for women it's like we're not allowed to explore our own sexuality but men can do whatever they want exactly like to men like for men it's like oh look at the points i've gained on my like you know chart of manliness but for a woman it's like 
How dare you sleep with more than one person? I know. They think of like, um, oh my God, I was watching a TikTok because I'm obsessed with TikTok right now, obviously. But Oh yeah, me it, too. <laughs> this guy, he was saying how, um, oh, like if um if you're a woman who is on birth control and you expect oh my god you want to talk about right well like oh if you were expecting to wear a condom and you better not like take the vaccine i was just like what are you talking about your misogyny is coming out you need to regroup and like get your shit together because how are you able to get women when you're you're so you're such an asshole it's ridiculous and i honestly like i think I'm glad that there's more kind of conversation around it and, like, more power to, like, women to just, like, be confident in their choices. But, like, I know when I was a teenager, I felt a lot of the time that, like, I was, like, if I was, like, dating around and trying to hook up with someone, I would be, like, okay, well, sorry, my dog is snoring so loud. Can you hear her? No, actually, I can't. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> I just got, like, I hear it through my headphones. <laughs> I'm, like, are you kidding me right now? Anyway, sorry. Um, Yeah, it's just, like, at least we're talking about it and we're giving like women the space to like have that conversation about like what they choose to do with their birth control or whatever. I know when I was a teenager, like a lot of my friends would just be like, oh yeah, well I hooked up with him. Cause like, I just haven't been late in a while. So like whatever. And I was like, what did, did, did you want to though? Yeah. Like what? Like to me, like I've always been the person that like, cause I've had like kind of issues with birth control. Like sometimes my body would just get like used to it and then it would just kind of stop working and I'd be like, well, that's not okay. I didn't know that was um, a thing where your body can get used to birth control. Well, basically what's happening to me was just like, it, it wasn't that like, I don't think it was like preventing me from getting pregnant, but it was just like my, it, I was taking it to regulate my cycle more than anything else. And then my cycle would just go out of whack all of a sudden. At, like after a while of taking the same pills, so then I would have to go on a stronger one and then a stronger one. And then, and it was just like, birth control. it sucks. was messing with like, yeah, it was, then I finally ended up on the IUD and like my skin was garbage. I gained a bunch of weight. I felt like crap all the time. I was just like, what? And I'm doing this for what? I know. For, for men. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, I know. No. Fuck that. It's funny because they're, so they're been, supposed to have like yeah. birth control for men as well, but I was talking mm-hmm. to my boyfriend about it, and he was like, well, I don't want to take it because it's going to mess up my hormones. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been taking it for how many years? And I'm like, so it's okay for yeah. me, but not for you? And he was like, oh. Like, how, like and then how he long realized, have y'all been like, messed up? <laughs> I can't believe I just said that type of thing. And he was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, actually, no, I'll take it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, ne- never mind. <laughs> no, never He's mind. He's like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Scratch that real quick. No, it's so true. And, like, I, like at this point, I'm just like, I'm not on any, like, birth control other than, like, obviously just being safe and being careful. Um, but that's the thing. It's, like, if I know I'm not on a pill, then, like, I'm sorry, you're wrapping that stuff up. Please. Like, we're not. Like. Like, no. <laughs> For a multitude of reasons. And then even people who are on the pill, like, still, yeah, use a condom. Yes. Like, do it. Just for it's STDs, not worth you know? It. Like. Yeah, it's not worth it's it. It's not. Anyway. And I find even just like, for doctors, yeah. they have, like, obviously society, men have this thing of, like, controlling women and their bodies. But I find even yeah. a lot of doctors, like, I've noticed a lot of women were saying that, um, uh, you know, they're making decisions where they don't want to have kids anymore. But there's a lot yes. of doctors who aren't willing to um, tie their tubes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. There's a huge, like... There, it's it's a pretty big deal because I have a friend who was just like she has a lot of health issues and she was like she knows she never wants to have kids and she inquired about it and they were like absolutely not like because she's in her like mid twenties like, and like why? 
just ridiculous. But even like basic stuff, like I had a breast reduction surgery when I was 23 and my doctor was like, I don't know, you're really young. I was like, what am I doing with them? What? <laughs> Take them away, please. <laughs> like, like, They're only going to get ridiculous. bigger. What do you mean when really young? Exactly. Take them off. <laughs> like Exactly. I literally was like, yeah, take them. And if they get big again, you can take them again. Like, this is not. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And so that kind of stuff is just like our decisions are so like not our own, I guess, a lot of the time. Yeah. Or we, you have to like fight to convince them like this is, you know. But I don't know. Hopefully the more we talk about it, the more it can change and then we can take over the world (laughs) (laughs) but I find it funny too because like I've definitely realized about myself where like you know just having like internal misogyny as well like you you grow up a certain way you're you know I don't I grew up in a Vietnamese culture so it's a very sexist culture like you know Mm -hmm. this is your role as a woman this is your role as a man and there's only two genders type of thing and I think that the world is learning about um gender identity and gender expression all this now and and I find Mm -hmm. it just it's kind of crazy that even I'm noticing in myself, like, oh, my God, like, because I was taught this way my whole life, sometimes I catch myself thinking, like, oh, wow, that was really sexist of me to say to think that or to say that, you know? Do you ever no, finally sure. catch yourself in that situation? I definitely, like, can still catch myself every once in a while doing it, maybe to myself. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's often when it happens. But, like, I've always, I've always been the, like, person to fight in my family, like, I'm definitely, like, the black sheep of the black sheep a little bit. So, like, anytime there's a conversation, like, I'm not going to have just, like, a superficial pleasantry chat just to appease my uncle who only wants to talk about the weather, like, and golf. Like, I I can't. I'm I'm going to tell you what you said is not okay, and I'm going to tell you that, like, why it's not okay. And, like, if you you don't want to listen to me, that's fine, but I'm going to say it. Like, and, like, that has, like definitely caused me to be perceived as the like dramatic oversensitive whatever one oh my god yeah but I'm like I'm not I'm not done talking so (laughs) like I'm not gonna shut up so (laughs) so what are your goals now that you've been doing here for two years you've been working at unlisted um you're building your clientele what do you what are your goals in the next five years with your career and your life Well, I'm really excited to see how Enlisted will grow once we're allowed to be back open. There's a lot of cool, like, projects and plans and in the... In the works. In the works. So it's really exciting to kind of see it all hopefully come together this year. Um, But I I guess personal goals, like, I'm really excited to do more with razor cutting. It's, like, it's really fun to kind of see it gain popularity a bit more out here. I know, like, out west, it's a lot more popular and it has been for quite a few years so it, it's been cool to like kind of come and see people like excited about those types of cuts and those styles and stuff so I'm hoping to kind of put together a bit more education so I can share that with people because we did one little class in Unlisted um for razor cutting and it was very well received and it was very really fun yeah I saw teach. that that was so fun it's kind of cool yeah. that you're, you're... <laughs> You're already t- educating people on kind of, and you found your specialty so fast. Cause I find for mo- a lot of styles, even for myself, it took me a, a long while to figure out. Like, I think because I started uh, hairdressing when I was like 16, so it, f- it took me a while to figure out like what was my specialty, what did I wanted. I think because I was still trying mm-hmm. to figure out who I was, and I, I think yeah. it's so cool that you because you started later in in your 20s, you knew who you were and you found your specialty. And I feel like you don't take bullshit, you know, with clients and everything. Yeah. And um and I'm really excited to see kind of what's in your future and I'm I feel like there's a lot in store for you. I'm excited 
Thank you so much thank for you. coming to the podcast today <laughs> on uh, during the quarantine and on Zoom.